0: All right we are talking about gates in this message series we are on week three if you're joining us for the first time or if you're back after being away for a while and those of you that are joining us online we're so glad that you're with us um i'm going to try to keep track of all of you because i know some of you are uh are are stuck at home for one reason or another so i'm glad you're here I, i want you to hang on if you're joining us from home God has something to say to you as well as all of us that are gathering here but we're talking about gates and this week I found a far side comic that takes place at the pearly gates all right and it's titled you got to know the title the math phobics nightmare any any math phobics in the room okay here, here's there's an angel and he's talking to this guy at the pearly gates he says okay now listen up Nobody gets in here without answering the following question. A train leaves Philadelphia at 1 p.m. It's traveling at 65 miles an hour. Another train leaves Denver at 4. Say, you need some paper? Okay, I thought it was funny. So we're not talking about pearly gates this morning, but we are talking about the 10 gates in the walls of Jerusalem that we read about in Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, now... Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, this sounds really, really specific, but believe me, there's a reason we're talking about this this morning. Uh, The Lord has really directed us to this chapter, and he said to us uh, that he has a message for us in the names of these 10 gates. And so in this message series, we're hanging out in the third chapter of Nehemiah, and we're talking about these gates, how they functioned, and what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church today, in in particular, in this post-COVID season. And this message series is really an invitation for you and I to check your gates. Check your gates. Are they open or closed. Last week I talked about the sheep gate, I talked about the fish gate, and we talked about those gates. It's so important that we check those gates because those gates need to be open so we can be well supplied. If you missed that message, I hope you 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 will catch up with us. You can find that on our website. And also, we just started posting videos to a new YouTube channel, so you can find that through our website. That's pretty cool. But there are gates that need to be open that in the course of the pandemic, some of us have closed. But there are other gates that need to be tightly closed that need to be open. And so I'm inviting you today to check your gates. And the gate we're talking about today is the old gate, and it's one that needs to be tightly closed. Now I was planning this morning on, on talking about two gates and I really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying he has something very specific for us to hear this morning about the old gate, and, and, and he, just, he just spoke to me to just stop at the old gate. So next week, uh, I'm going to be going on to the valley gate, which is beautiful, and Kelly's going to tag team teach with me next week, and she's going to talk about, I don't remember what's next. Is it the dung gate? Okay, the dung gate. If you don't know what dung is, ask your mom. So, today, the old gate. I I showed you a a map last week, the the 10 gates that we find in Nehemiah chapter 3, and that's coming up here on the screen, Aslan, if you would put that up. There's these 10 gates, and... And uh, north is on the right-hand side of the screen, so don't let that, that fool you. But the old gate is up there on the northwest corner of the wall. And it's a very significant gate. All of the gates are significant because, because uh, I, I got ahead of myself. Now i got to refocus. I'm, I'm in that um, fastest announcements <coughs> in the history of the world, and it distracted me. Slow down, breathe, Russ. You can do this. Okay, here we go. Ten gates. Let me give you a little background on Nehemiah, just just a bit in case you weren't with us the first two weeks. The context of the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament is that Israel has gone into exile to Babylon. It started in about 586 BC when the Babylonian Empire began attacking uh, Israel and, and Judah And in 586, they destroyed the temple, destroyed the city, destroyed the walls, just leveled the whole city. And 70 years later, in 516 BC, Ezra returned to Jerusalem. He built the temple, but the walls were still in ruins. And so when Nehemiah comes on the scene, he hears from God. God says, I'm sending you back to Jerusalem from Babylon to rebuild the walls. And that's the context of what we're talking about this morning. But you might be asking the question, what does any of this have to do with me? I don't live in, in 516 BC. Why do I care about the walls of Jerusalem? Well, there's a very important verse in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews that says this. I shared this last week. It says, the priests on earth, it's talking about the temple in Jerusalem, the priests on earth serve in a temple that is but a copy modeled after the heavenly sanctuary, It's a shadow of the reality. The reason this is important is because it's telling us that everything that is in the Old Testament as it relates to the temple and worship and sacrifices and all of those things, they give us a snapshot, a picture of what the heavenly dwelling of God is like. And I believe that extends even to Jerusalem and the walls and all of this information that is recorded in the book of Nehemiah is given for a purpose. It speaks to us today. And so as we're digging into these walls, we're hearing the Lord speak to us very, very powerfully. We're focusing on gates because gates have a very important function. Gates either let things in or they let things out. And when they're open, there's a free flow of resources, like I talked about last week. But when they're closed, they provide protection from enemies, they provide protection from predators. They provide protection from anything that can come in and disrupt the life of a city. And this is what's important. If you have a wall around your city but no gates, the city will die. You'll be cut off from your supply chain. A closed-up city is a dead city. But at the same time, if you have a city that has nothing but open gates with no protection, you're going to be vulnerable to disaster. Since COVID, lots of us have closed gates that need to be open in the city of our lives. And conversely, we've opened some gates that need to be closed. That brings us to the old gate. Now I'm where I thought I was before, just needed to get that little history in there. You with me? The old gate is on the northwest corner of the wall, as you can see on that, on that map on your screen. It's called the old gate because this was the gate to the old city of Jerusalem. Did you know there was an old city of Jerusalem and a new city of, actually, there were multiple cities of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a very, very, very old city. There's archeological evidence that shows that humans have lived in Jerusalem for more than 5,000 years. Think about that. How long have humans been living in the Gallatin Valley? Probably a long time if you consider Native American inhabitants. But when it comes to the city itself as we know it here, Bozeman, Belgrade, 120, 130 years. Jerusalem has been around for 5,000 years. And there have been a number of different iterations of this city. Jerusalem was chosen for an important reason. You can see here on this topo map. Topo map? Topo map? How do you say it? I heard both. (laughs) On this map that's spelled T-O-P-O, this is where Jerusalem is. It's on a mountain called Mount Moriah in the Bible. And you can see that Jerusalem is surrounded on three sides by very deep valleys. It was a smart place to build a city because it it was naturally resistant to attack, because it it would be difficult to come down into a valley and up to the city. It was exposed on the north, which is why there were so many gates on the north. That was an important place to fortify. And so if we just overlay here the, the walls map, you can see how this laid out on that, uh, on that geography, and it's, it, I just think it's really cool. Another reason why this was an important part and a historic place to build a human settlement is there's water right down here, a spring called Gaihan Spring. We'll be talking about that in future weeks. But, but the city was, was protected by these valleys, but it also had a water source, so it was a great place for human beings to build a city. Now, Jerusalem had... A number of different names. It goes way back, and if you read your Old Testament, you will see the names of cities that you might not realize it's the same as Jerusalem. It goes clear back to the time of Abraham and Melchizedek. Do you remember the name of the city that Melchizedek was king of? Anybody remember? He was the king of Salem. Salem means Peace. And Salem is right here in this same place that Jerusalem is to this day, all the way back to Abraham. Now, eventually, Salem was taken over by a group of people called the Jebusites, and they inhabited what is now Jerusalem, but they named it after their their patriarch, whose name was Jebus, hence the name the Jebusites, okay? They lived there, and they had a king, um, and, and, and they were there for a very long time. We read about the city of Jabus in Joshua chapter 10. If you're reading through the book of Joshua and you see that name, you'll know this is actually the, the predecessor of Jerusalem, and these people were the inhabitants of Jerusalem during the Canaanite days. And then David came along, and in David's day, all of Israel had inhabited Canaan, there were 12 tribes. They had all solidified where they were. But here was Jabus, right in the middle of Israel. It was the only city left that had not been conquered by Israel. And David decided he wanted to make that his palatial city. It was a smart choice. And so there's a, a, a great story in the Old Testament about how, how uh, David conquered the city of Jabus, and it became known as the city of David or Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the city of peace. And so if you look at the screen, you see that Jerusalem has as its root word Salem, right? It was originally just peace. Now it's called the city of peace. And then, of course, if you're reading in your Bible and you see the name Zion, that's another name for the city of Jerusalem. The name Zion means marked for God, There's so much in all of those names, I'm not going to go into any of them, but what I want to focus in on here today is this. A new name for a city, or for you and me, a new name represents new occupants and new identity. When David came into Jabus, conquered the city, inhabited the city, and he renamed it Jerusalem it signified that there were new occupants and the city would have a new identity. And this place, this truth, that a new name represents new occupants and, and identity speaks to you and me today. How many of you in this room would say, when you met Jesus, he made you new? Would you say that about yourself? Jesus made, you listen, listen to this verse from 2 Corinthians. It says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, some translation says, say, if anybody is in Christ, I like this version because it says, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, it's a good picture of our relationship with Jesus. How many of you ever do any baking? You like to do, make cakes or or those kinds of things. Have you ever seen in your instructions, you have to fold something in? What does that mean? It means there's a gentle motion of just folding this thing into that thing, and you do it very gently. Why? Because there's probably a lot of air in your batter. You don't want to break out the air. And so there's this gentle mixing, but you mix it until it's just completely unified. This is a picture of what it means to be in Christ. When you came to Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, when you said, I'm going to follow Jesus, he, he just gently enfolded you. And, and, and now he is one with you, okay? If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. I love this. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. In my Bible, when I was studying this week, I noticed there was a footnote on that, on that phrase, the old order has vanished. And the translator wrote this at the footnote in my Bible. He said, this would include our old identity Our life of sin, the power of Satan, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. All of this has vanished. And then he goes on and he says this. We are not reformed or simply refurbished. We are made completely new. Somebody say completely new. We are made completely new by our union, our enfolding with Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Who's enfolded into Christ today? You are made completely new. And this newness in you represents new occupants and a new identity. Your new occupant from the time you came to Jesus is Jesus himself. He occupies your life. He occupies your city. city, And he gives you a new identity. Are you with me? You get what I'm saying? Now, the city of Jerusalem, has an old gate. I want to suggest to you this morning that you and I have an old gate in our city. There's an old gate in our city, and there's a temptation for you and me to open the gate from the newness and look back into the old and maybe even step over the threshold and go back to the old. Let's talk about new versus old for a couple of minutes. I I remember when I went from old to new. Now, I was raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad were Christians. We were in church every time the doors were open, which back in the old days was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and special prayer meetings, all kinds of things. I can remember falling asleep on those old wooden pews in the church. I don't remember a time in my life ever when I I wasn't at least aware of the presence of Jesus in my life. Now, some of us in this room, we've had these dramatic experiences where we've come to Jesus and we have made this sharp turn and, and we've gone towards Jesus where we were oriented towards something else previously, okay? I don't know where you are, but for those of us that were raised in church, I'll share my experience even though I don't have this moment where I would say, this is when I came to Jesus, I have signposts in my life where I have aligned my will and my purpose with that of Jesus. And it's like I have planted a signpost or right? I've put up a stone, a marker in my life and said, this is when my life went from this direction to that direction, okay? I, be, because even as a Christian young man, sometimes even, even in my middle years, because now I'm old, but that's another story. Um, there have been times in my life when I've, when I've woken up to the fact that I am oriented away from God, and he's calling me back to go to the new. I am a new creation, and the old things have passed away. You with me? But sometimes, sometimes, We crack open that old gate and we look through. Sometimes we swing the gate open and we just walk through the gate. Why would anybody want to do that? Why would anybody want to go back to the old? The reality is we do. And there's there's a number of reasons. You can probably identify the reason for you. Here's some thoughts that I came up with. I think sometimes we go back to the old because we get scared. The last three years have been scary. We watched people die because of this awful disease that went around the world. We watched people get mean and selfish and hostile And when we experience things that are scary in our lives, I think we're tempted to withdraw from Jesus and just take matters into our own hands. That's standing at the old gate. Another reason maybe we go back to the old is, I mean, let's just be honest, we we just miss the old life. Am I a bad Christian if I acknowledge that there were some good times in the old life? Sometimes we get nostalgic, sometimes we miss the stuff that we know leads to destruction, but we miss it. I mean that's just that's just being simply honest. Sometimes we just miss the old life. And it's tempted to go back to the old gate. Another reason I think a lot of people go back to the old is because we get offended by God. Have you ever been offended by God? Maybe you prayed really, really hard and you didn't get what you asked for. You get offended. Maybe you lost a loved one and it's wrecked you. Maybe you're struggling with finances or sickness or relationship troubles. You think God should intervene. And when you don't see him intervene, you get offended. It's easy to do. And we go and we crack open that old gate. A Couple of weeks ago, a good friend of Chris's had a baby. And in the the birthing process, the baby got stuck in the birth canal. And uh, the medical team just, they did everything they could to get this baby out, but the baby was deprived of oxygen for a long, long time. And we got word uh, just a few days ago that, that they had moved the baby into hospice care. And so the people that love the parents of this baby, man, they're just wrecked, right? I mean, you can imagine. And um, a few days ago, Chris got a text from a good friend of hers who, who knows this couple. And she said, Chris, I'm just so mad. And she started listing all the reasons she's mad. and She's mad at the hospital and she's mad at the, the, at the medical team. And, and, and Chris called her up and just started talking to her. And they're crying on the phone. I was, I was eavesdropping on the conversation. Midway through the conversation, her friend said to Chris, Chris, she was was raised in church, but she's not a Christ follower anymore. And she said, Chris, if there's a God, because she knows Chris walks with Jesus. Chris, if there's a God, why didn't God intervene? And I listened to my wife talk to her friend, with such compassion, she said, oh, sweetheart, God isn't a puppet master up in the heavens just manipulating all the strings. We think God is in control, which if you take it to its logical conclusion means that God does bad things or causes bad things or lets bad things happen. And Chris said to her friend, she said, oh, listen, God isn't manipulating the puppet strings. And so there are lots of bad things that happen in our world. But she said, listen, I know for a fact that God is sitting with these grieving parents in the hospital room and he's weeping along with them. And Chris told me afterwards that the tenor of the conversation just softened. As this friend acknowledged, yeah, Maybe I'm blaming God for something that he is just as grieved about as we are. See, we get offended by God and we can, we, can, we can go to that old gate and open it up, walk through. I think if we're honest with ourselves, some of us have opened the old gate in the last three years. Let me tell you what that's done for us. Let tell you what that's done for us as a culture. Alcohol consumption has increased by 54% pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. Drug overdoses are at an all-time high. In fact, somebody shared a, a news article with me this week. This is, this is a statistic for this week in Montana There have been 28 fentanyl overdoses and eight deaths reported in Montana in the last 10 days. Okay? Let's talk about screen time. Screen time has increased 51% as it relates to video games and 42% on smartphones phones. Now, that's a statistic for kids, but I suspect it's probably similar for adults. Is that good for us? No, I don't think so. According to the statistics that the government keeps, depression rates have tripled, and suicide rates have increased 31% before pandemic to post-pandemic. Walking away from Jesus back into the old can't be an option for us. We're killing ourselves. Some of the other things I, I read about were, were things like uh, during the pandemic in particular, people were really struggling to sleep. There was just this unease, do you remember? Um, I know uh, in 2020, right after this whole thing hit and, and the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff, I was really struggling to sleep. And, and I, was, I was just laying awake and, and uh, my mind was racing and I, I finally had to stop listening to the news. I just shut it off because it was terrifying me. And, and eventually I started taking some sleep aids to sleep because I, I just I couldn't get to sleep. So um, I, I took a product called Tylenol PM. Some of you use those. Uh, I started using those in 2020 and I took them every night to go to sleep for a year and when my doctor found out, he hit the roof because they're terrible for your liver. And, uh, and so when I was in his office and I confessed to him that I was using these sleep aids, he said, I, I will prescribe you an antidepressant. So he gave me this, this prescription and I filled it and I went home and I think I took it one or two days and it was awful. And I decided I'm gonna have to push into Jesus to solve this problem because drugs aren't the answer. Okay. Not even sleep aids are the answer. And so I, I really asked Jesus to help me. And, and I tried a bunch of different things. Um, I, 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 I used some apps on my phone uh, that just helped me to sleep and to relax and turn my brain off. And I found some things that really helped me. One of the apps I found was an app that just reads scripture over you. And I would put my headphones in and I would listen to scripture and this person that was reading would pray for me. And I actually found that that kept me awake because I loved the Bible so much that I wanted to hear more. So that that didn't really work. But but anyway, the long and the short of it is, I'm not taking any sleep aids anymore because I, I I've I've been able to let Jesus bring me peace. And I just share that with you just simply because I think we've all struggled with one thing or another, and instead of just following Jesus in this new life where everything is new and we trust him, we trust him, we trust him. Jesus, I trust you. We've gotten scared, we've gotten offended, we've gotten bored, whatever, and we've gone back and we've opened the old gate. But clearly, friends, we need to be enfolded into Jesus instead. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. If you're new to Christianity, I don't want you to hear today that Jesus just magically makes all your problems go away. He doesn't, but he does empower you to live a life of abundance and blessing. Let me read some scripture to you. John chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking He says, I am the gate. I read this verse to you last week, but I'm gonna read more of it today. It's so good. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for. They will freely go in and out to find pasture. This is specifically speaking about the sheep gate that I taught on last week. Jesus goes on, a thief is only there to steal, kill, And destroy. The thief is who exists on the other side of the old gate. And then this beautiful verse, verse 10. Jesus said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. What a beautiful promise that when we are living in the newness of life of Jesus, we have what some translations call abundant life. This one says real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Is that powerful? Romans chapter 8 says that in spite of all kinds of trouble, Jesus gives us overwhelming victory. Are you in trouble in your life? Jesus gives you overwhelming victory. Some versions say that we are more than conquerors. Say that out loud with me. More than conquerors. This is what life in Jesus looks like. So, my challenge to all of us today is very simple. Close that old gate. If you've opened it, if you've cracked it, if you're just peeking through, if you've crossed the threshold, come on. Come back into life in Jesus and close the old gate and stay enfolded into Jesus. This is where he's calling us to be. Close the old gate and stay enfolded into Jesus. I believe so strongly this morning that the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of us. Some of you that are joining us online this morning, I I had a vision this morning that some of you were going to hear this message, and you were going to say, that's me. I've opened the old gate, and today I've got to close the old gate. And so today... I want to lead us in something that, that, that I hope is going to be so memorable that you will never forget it, and we're going to make the choice today to close the old gate and stay enfolded into Jesus. Are you ready? And I'm, I'm talking to those of you online, too. I'm going to ask you to do something, all right? I'm going to do, ask you to do something physically. So, so don't click off your, your, your device just yet, okay? Okay. Before we get to this activity, I want to share one more thing with you. You might have noticed that I haven't even been in Nehemiah chapter 3 yet. We're going to go there now. The old gate is mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 6, and it's coming up here on your screen. And I'll just let you read that verse to yourself, but what I want you to see is that it mentions the names of four people. There are four people, and as I was praying this week, what I felt like the Lord was saying to me about these four people is that the meanings of these names are going to speak to some of us in this room today. The meanings of these names are going to speak to some of you that are joining us online today. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do, I'm gonna tell you what the meaning of each name means. And, and, and if this speaks to you today in relationship to closing the old gate because you've left your old gate open, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet, okay? And so just as I'm talking for the next couple of minutes, People are gonna start standing, and I want you to stay standing. Those of you at home, if one of these speaks to you, stand up right where you are. Just just stand where you are, okay? You understand what I'm asking you to do? Okay. The first name that we see in this verse is the name Joiada. It means Yahweh knows. And what I believe Holy Spirit is speaking to us today is that I, I believe Holy Spirit is saying, you think Yahweh has forgotten you, but he knows you. And you've gone back to that old gate because you've, you, you've, you've dropped your trust in him, but he knows you. And he's asking you to close the gate and come back in to be enfolded to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now, either in this room or at home. Stand to your feet if that one speaks to you. The next name that we read is the name Pasea. the meaning of this name is one who limps this one didn't strike me immediately what it meant to us but as i was praying through it i believe what the lord is saying is somebody here is walking with a limp either physically or metaphorically Maybe you've got some kind of disability or a wound in in your body and you've been limping. You can't walk like you normally would and you've gotten offended by God. Maybe, Maybe you are metaphorically limping because something has happened in your life and life isn't the same and you aren't efficient and you can't do what you normally do. You're limping through life and so you've gone back to that old gate. Jesus is saying, come back in. So that I can heal you and give you abundant life. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna move forward. Thank you. Those of you at home too, don't don't miss what the Holy Spirit is doing for you today. The third name is Mashulam. Mashulam. This name means a friend, or someone who is in a covenant of peace. covenant of peace someone here has been warring with god and holy spirit is inviting you to come back out of the old gate and and jesus wants to make peace with you he wants to be your friend that speaks to you stand to your feet the last name i can't even say it it starts with a b This name means in the counsel of the Lord. I think what Holy Spirit is speaking to us today is there are some of us who have stopped taking the counsel of the Lord. We've been taking our own counsel. We have stopped trusting and we've just been doing our own thing. And we're we're at that old gate. And Jesus is inviting you to come into the counsel of the Lord. Okay, if that's you, would you stand to your feet? some other people here today who just haven't said yes to Jesus at all. You haven't even come in the gate, into the new life. You haven't even invited Jesus into your city. If that's you, would you stand to your feet? Or if there's any other person, any other reason that you need to close the gate, this has spoken to you. And you know that you have to close that gate and protect your city. Maybe the prophetic words didn't speak to you, but you know you have to close the gate. Stand to your feet right now, right where you are. Thank you so much. Come on, I I just feel like there's a few more. We're just gonna wait a second while Jesus speaks. Jesus, we're gonna close those old gates. Jesus, you're speaking to us this morning. We're gonna close the gates. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. And we're never, ever gonna open those gates up again. Today is gonna be a line in the sand. It's gonna be one of those signposts where we never, ever, ever go back again. Okay, now here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer Everyone who is standing, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer loudly and with authority, I'm gonna ask you to tell Jesus that you are closing the old gates. But we're gonna do it in a way that I, I hope will stick in your memory. So what I want you to do, if you've got a coat, grab your coat, okay? And I want every person who's standing to go and stand at the overhead doors on the, on the sides of the building. You might have noticed that we moved a bunch of chairs out of the way. I want you to stand in a single line in front of the windows, facing out. And Drew, go ahead and open up those old gates. Open them up. All right, you're standing there, you're, you're looking out Now, if you've got a loved one. (laughs) Now, if you've got a loved one that's standing over by the gates and you wanna pray with them, why don't you move quickly over to them? Lay your hands on their shoulders. Let's begin to pray. This isn't gonna take long. We're not gonna keep them open very long. But those of you that are looking out of these open gates, what I want you to remember from this is there is nothing healthy outside of the gates. There isn't life and peace and hope and abundance. There's just nothing but cold, frozen winter out there. And Jesus is inviting you to step back into the gates and close the old gates. Now step back a little because we're gonna close them in just a second, but I want you to pray with your out loud voice, as loud as you can. Say this with me. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not walking through the old gates anymore. And in your power, in the power of Jesus' name, I'm closing the old gates. Come on, say it again, I'm closing the old gates. I'm closing the old, now connectors, begin to pray for those that are are standing there. Pray for them in Jesus' name. We pray for health and healing. We pray, Lord, for decision-making today that will stick in the heavenly realm. Lord, we pray that you will empower us to never, ever, ever go back again to the, the old way of life because everything is new. All is made new. And we declare, Jesus, today that you are making us new. We're not old anymore.